Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How are you guys feeling today? You guys ready? We're in a we're in kind of a tough one today. Numbers thirty one. We're going to be dealing with some things that um that uh from the outside, if you don't know the context of of what was happening um to the children of Israel at the time, what they had done, what they had put themselves through, some of their circumstances. We read things in in the Bible um. And in this chapter specifically, that we're just like, I don't know how I feel about this. How could God allow this to happen? How, how, how could God command the Israelites to do X, Y, and Z? Um, but we're going to cover it, right? We're not, we're not going to skip over any portions of the Bible. We're going we're gonna to get to the hard stuff. So um, we're in Numbers 31 today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into it. Father, we love you. We just, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord God. We thank you for what you're doing in, in, in our church, Lord God. And we just pray, Father, that during this time, Father, that you would just be with us, Lord. You would speak to us, Lord. You would open up our mind, open up our hearts, Father, to receive a word from you, Lord God, Father. I pray that it would be you that they're hearing and not me, Lord God, that I would fade to the background, but that you would be at the forefront, Father, Lord. Be with us during this time, Lord God, and uh, we just love you, and we're forever thankful for what you have done for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. All right. We are in Numbers 31, and I am reading from the New King James Version. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm some of yourselves for war, and let them go against the Midianites to take vengeance for the Lord on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel, 1,000 from each tribe, 12,000 armed for war. Then Moses sent them to the war, 1,000 from each tribe. He sent them to the war with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hand. And they warred against the Midianites, just as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed all the males. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed, Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. Balaam, the son of Baor, they also killed with the sword. And the children of Israel took the women of Midian captive with their little ones and took all as spoils all their cattle, all their flocks, and all their goods. They also burned with fire all the cities where they dwelt and all their forts. And they took all the spoil and all the booty of man and beast. Then they brought the captives, the booty and the spoil to Moses, to Eleazar the priest and to the congregation of the children of Israel, to the camp in the plains of Moab by the Jordan, across from Jericho. And Moses, Eleazar the priest and all the leaders of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army, with the captains over the thousands and captains over hundreds who had come from the battle. And Moses said to them, have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel 
through the council of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague amongst the congregation of the, of the Lord. Now, therefore, kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman who has known a man intimately. But keep alive for yourselves all the young girls who have not known a man intimately. And as for you, remain outside the camp seven days. Whoever has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. Purify your garments and everything made of leather, everything woven of goat's hair and everything made of wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the men of war who had gone to the battle, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead, everything that can endure fire, you shall put through the fire, and it shall be clean. And that shall be purified with the water of purification. But all that cannot endure fire, you shall put through water, and you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day and be clean. And afterwards, you may come into the camp. Verse 25, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, count up the plunder that was taken of man and beast. You and Eleazar the priest and the chief fathers of the congregation and divide the plunder into two parts between, between those who took part in the war, who went out to the battle and all the congregation and levy a tribute for the Lord on the men of war who went out to battle. One of every 500 of the persons, the cattle, the donkeys and the sheep, take it from their half and give it to Eleazar the priest to, as a heave offering to the Lord. And from the children of Israel's half, you shall take one of every 50 drawn from the, the persons, the cattle, the donkeys, and the sheep from all the livestock and give them to the Levites who keep charge of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Moses and Eleazar the priest did as the Lord commanded Moses. The booty remaining from the plunder which the men of war had taken was 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, and 32,000 persons in all of women who had not known a man intimately. And the half... The portion for those who had gone out to war was in number 337,500 sheep. And the Lord's tribute of the sheep was 675. The cattle were 36,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 72. The donkeys were 30,500, of which the Lord's tribute was 61. The persons were 16,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 32 persons. So Moses gave the tribute, which was the Lord's heave offering to Eleazar the priest, as the Lord commanded Moses. And from the children of Israel's half, which Moses separated from the men who fought. Now the half belonging to the congregation was 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, 3,500 donkeys, and 16,000 persons. And from the children of Israel's half, Moses took one of every 50, drawn from man and beast, and gave them to the Levites, who kept charge of the tabernacle of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then the officers who were over thousands of the army, the captains of thousands and captains of, the captains of hundreds came near to Moses. And they said to Moses, your servants have taken account of the men of war who are under our command and not a man of us was is missing. Therefore, we have brought an offering for the Lord. What every man found of ornaments of gold, armlets and bracelets and signet rings and earrings and necklaces to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. So Moses and Eleazar the priests received the gold from them, all the fashioned ornaments and all the gold of the offerings that they offered to the Lord from the captains of thousands and captains of hundreds was 16,750 shekels. The men of war had taken spoil every man for himself. And Moses and Eleazar the priests received the gold from the captains of thousands and of hundreds and brought it into the tabernacle of meeting as a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Give it a stretch. So there's a whole lot that went on here. And as I was reading, 
Um, and if you had had read this previous to um, this morning, you know, there's a lot of things that, that happen in here that we read and we're like, how could God command this? Why would God command this? This doesn't seem fair. This, you know, and 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 people have used um, passages such as this to to show how evil the Lord is and, and uh, um, how bad God is and how could we believe you know in a God who would allow you know you know quote unquote innocence to be killed. Um, but we're but we're seeing that there was a reason for all of this. Okay, God does just does does it throw commands like hey you know, destroy these people just because, you know, he feels like it. There's a reasoning behind this. Verse two, he um, he tells Moses, take vengeance on the Midianites. So the Midianites were, were a nomadic people that, um, you know, they were associated with the land of, of Moab. We read a lot about them in Numbers 25. And and, and God commanded that they, that they be attacked in, in retribution for their part in the seduction of Israel in, into sexual immorality and idolatry. Um, the emphasis is on here is the fact that the Lord spoke to Moses in initiating the attack. This wasn't about personal vengeance. Uh, uh, it wasn't about conquest of territory. It wasn't just a lust for, pl- for, for plunder. The war was announced by the Lord, not Moses. Okay. Moses didn't say, you know what? I'm bored on Tuesday. We're going to go attack these people. No, the Lord was very specific and said, you will do this. It was the Lord's vengeance because of the wickedness of the Midianites. And, and, and because it was specifically commanded by the Lord, this was also a test of Israel's obedience. Cause this, this was now the second generation of Israelites, that first generation that had um, been 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 saved from Egypt, they were gone. This is generation two. This is their children who are now adults, who are now um, um, leading these people. This um, this second generation of Israel on the plains of Moab near Jericho was was facing the same moral, ethical, and spiritual dilemma that that the first generation had failed in the wilderness. We we read about it, you know, a while back where they had the opportunity to enter into the promised land and they failed to do so, right? Because they saw their circumstances. They saw what was before them. This new generation was facing the same thing. You know, they could have looked at the Midianites and been fearful. They could have been afraid. They could have had made every excuse why we're not going to do this. But it was up to them to see, are they going to listen? Are they going to be obedient? Would they be faithful? to their covenant relationship with Yahweh, their relationship with God, or were they going to succumb to the same temptations that had come, that, that, that their, their forefathers had succumbed to. And it says, take vengeance. Now we're often, we're uncomfortable with this idea of vengeance because it doesn't seem very consistent with God's love, you know, take vengeance, take, you know, doesn't, doesn't always, you know, compute, to us yet in the right context context excuse me vengeance is something good that god pursues the the scriptures repeatedly speak of the vengeance of god as as a positive thing see evil comes comes with the vengeance of man right but not with god see when it says take vengeance 
It's the, the, the Hebrew word, which can also mean vindication. God directs his vengeance against the immoral, the idolatrous, and the unjust. Yet his vengeance is often self-limiting according to his great mercy. See, in this, in this instance, this circumstance, Israel had a very, very unique role. They had a special call to be an instrument of God's vengeance uh, on the varied people that they were going to encounter once they entered into the land of Canaan. This is something that, that no individ, individual acting on their own authority can, can rightly take upon themselves today. And then it, it, verse two finishes with, afterward, you shall be gathered. Now here, God is, sp- is speaking specifically to Moses. Moses, um, he does die just a few months after this takes place. But he didn't die immediately after this battle, you know, all, all the, this, excuse me, this campaign um, takes place. But it was something that had to be accomplished before his work could be considered complete before the eyes of God. So here's Moses. He's been leading for so long. And now God is saying, you know, once this is complete, then you will be gathered. In other words, once this is complete, then you're going to die. You're going to be gathered. You're going to come home. Your work is complete. He says in verse four, a thousand from each tribe of all tribes of Israel, you shall send to the war. This was um, something that God called Israel to do together as an entire people, not as an individual tribe. You know, he didn't want, you know, uh, just a handful of tribes sending a handful of people. He's like, no, he wanted every single tribe, all 12 tribes of Israel to play a part in it. A thousand men from each tribe. And he and, and he sent them to war um, with Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, with the holy articles. Um, significantly, that the priests went with the nation into their battle, and they went with the holy articles. Um, and, and and this was very unusual, but but it marked that this was God's battle. When it says talks about holy articles, commentators have have long. Um, on back and forth and what that means was the Ark of the Covenant was with them. Did they have, you know, were they, were they wearing their priestly, you know, garments when they were out there, but that doesn't really matter. The bottom line is the priests, the, 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 the pastors, right. They went with them to battle. And verse seven says they warred against the Midianites. Okay. According to the custom of the day, all the males were killed. And the women and children were taken as slave and all their possessions were taken as spoil. And it also says, just as the Lord commanded Moses, this phrase is repeated four times in this chapter, just as the Lord commanded Moses. We read it in verses 31, 41, and 47. This is a strong emphasis on the idea that this was the Lord's battle, not Israel. All right. The Lord wanted to be very specific. I am calling you to do this. I am calling you to do this. And this is going to be hard. This is going to be tough. You're going to have you're going to have really harsh days ahead of you going into the campaign against the Midianites. But I am calling you to do this. Brothers and sisters, the Lord may be calling you to do something that seems very, very hard when you look at it with your human eyes, when you're looking through your through your, the, your fleshly lenses. But when you look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ, when you look at it through the lens of the Holy Spirit, 
right? You, and, and when you know that you know that you know that the Lord is the one that's calling you to do it, then you know you're going to have success. You know you're going to be victorious. Why? Because the Lord is saying, I'm going before you. I've already handled the situation. It's done. It's done. Just as the Lord commanded Moses, just as the Lord commanded Frank, just as the Lord commanded Ryan, just as the Lord commanded Yolanda, commanded Doug, commanded Tara, commanded Jenny, just as the Lord commanded you, he will go before you. Amen. Verses, uh, verse eight, it talks about the, the kings of Midian, right? And um, specifically it talks about Zer. Right. Zer, uh, and that's the name of, of some interest. See, see, he was the father of this woman named Cosby. Um, and in verse in a numbers 25, we read about this, this individual um, that one of the Israelites named Zimri brought her into the camp. Right. She was an immoral woman. You know, she drew she drew Zimri into sexual immorality and, and idolatry. Right. And when when this happened, a plague afflicted the Israelites. And 25,000 Israelites died of this plague. And she was killed by Phineas, the, the commander of the army. And, um, and then once, once she was killed, the plague stopped. The plague was done, right? And she was likely a priestess of Baal. And Baal is this false God that we're going to read about throughout the entire life of Israel in the old Testament, that they're constantly going up against this, 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 this false God, this spiritual entity, but we're seeing it here in, 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 in the beginning of the nation of Israel, they were dealing with it. Right. But what did they have to do? They had to kill it. They had to remove everything. And we also read about Balaam, Right. It says Balaam um, was also killed with a sword. This, you know, Balaam's the one who had who has suggested the strategy to to seduce Israel into sexual immorality and idolatry. And he did it for money. Now, this guy was dead. This is the same Balaam that we read about weeks and weeks ago with who, who whose donkey spoke to him. Right. Who was a prophet. Right. But he but, but he was a prophet for pay. You know, and finally, God was like, I'm done. I'm done with you playing these games. You're, you're gone as well. You know, he was judged by the vengeance of God. And whatever he had gained, whatever money he had gained, and, you know, whatever, it was gone. It was useless now to him. In Numbers 23, verse 10, Balaam spoke of his desire to let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like this. But Balaam had no real interest in, in living his life like the righteous. So he died the death of the wicked in the company of everyone else who was under God's judgment. And then Moses asks after the battle and there were the men are returning. He says, have you kept all the women alive? Verse 15, he was angry because the, the children of Israel failed to see the great danger of sexual immorality and idolatry um, posed by these women who, who before had, had, had led the men of Israel into, into these exact sins that they were trying to remove. So they brought these women with them, 
You know, why? What was, what was the point? You see, God's people, you know, they, they we, we may be deceived by things that were a threat. See, they, they viewed these women as they were a threat. They didn't seem like a present danger. And so we today can also be deceived like that. We think that because we're just because we're Christ followers and we go to church and we pay our tithes and we're serving on this dream team and that dream team and we're, we're part of a connect group, we're leading a connect group that that we can no longer be deceived. And brothers and sisters, if you can, if you think, if you truly think that you cannot be deceived, if you just allow certain things to still remain in your life, my brothers, my sisters, you are being deceived by that deception. The, the the Israelite army, the, the officers, they, they thought these women were safe. But these women were actually more dangerous to Israel than an army of mighty warriors. See, Israel, they could overcome an army of mighty warriors, but it but if they were seduced into immorality and idolatry, they were ultimately were going to fail. We often think of many things as dangerous to us. Um, uh, as, as people of God, you know, the, the government and, you know, different uh, views of thought, you know, secular humanism and, and you know, this, that and the other thing. Um, but when God's people accept things among them that that open the door to immorality and, and idolatry, this can be a much greater danger than any other things that we per, that we perceive as a threat. But he goes on to say, but keep alive for yourself all the young girls who have not known a man intimately. So God said, those women who have been deceitful, who have known a man, you know, they must be eliminated. But if they have not known a man, they can be kept. And this is what, and this is, and, and, and continuing on, it gets, this, it gets really, really touchy. People get really sensitive about things like this. Verse 17, kill every male among the little ones. These also had to be killed. This, this was harsh, very, very harsh. Okay. You know, and again, if, when we look at it through our fleshly eyes, we often think like, how could you allow this to happen? But it was done with the understanding that in ancient culture, the boys, would eventually grow up to be men with the with the with the, the solemn responsibility to avenge their father's death and to perpetuate the Midian culture which was also which was now under God's judgment they all had to be eliminated because if they were not eliminated eventually they would come back eventually they would grow they would grow up right if 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 I'm part of a, a an army, right, and I'm a young boy, and my my father, my uncles, and all the men above me, right, older than me, are all destroyed, my thought is I am going to kill every single one of them. I will get my revenge eventually. It may take some time, right? It may take some time. It may take years. It may take decades. But eventually, I will get my revenge. And God was saying, nope, we ain't got time for that. Eliminate them all, right? And not only that, this Midian culture that was so full of idolatry and immorality, if you do not eliminate it, it's going to continue to grow. 
it's going to come back. It was a strong and a very harsh judgment against the Midianites. But we'll read later on that it still did not wipe them completely out as a people because, because Israel is going to be forced to deal with them as, late, uh, as enemies later on. See, God has the right to judge not only individuals, but also communities. This, this judgment often makes us uncomfortable, but is it is rooted in, in, in both God's fundamental right to judge that we read about in Psalm 9 and Psalm 50, but also um, in his merciful granting of much time to repent, as we read about in Genesis 15. And we can know that God is a righteous judge. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. The Midianites were doing evil, and God saw it for generations and generations. He saw what was happening. He saw what they had already done to his people, and he was like, that's it. We're done. Verse 19, as for you, remain outside the camp seven days. Israel's soldiers um, were triumphant, and they had carried out God's will in attacking and defeating the Midianites, yet yet they're, they're, they're carrying out of God's will, carried so much death upon them so they were commanded to to wait seven days to purify themselves before they could come back into into israel's camp which would have been really really tough because the word doesn't says how long they were on this campaign you know how how many cities and camps and forts they destroyed right we did read about how much they brought back it was it wasn't just one battle guys this was multiple battles so they were they were probably gone for a, a good while Right. And now I'm coming home and now I got to wait seven days outside. Come on now. That's ridiculous. You know, like I can see my tent right over there, you know, but they had to be purified because God wanted his people. He wanted the camp, you know, the, 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 the land of Israel to be pure. He didn't want death coming into the camp. Right. So he wanted them to be purified. Purify every garment, everything made of leather, everything woven of goat's hair, and everything made of wood. Anything of the Midianites and the spoil, the spoil that had been taken had to be purified. Then, then it could be used. Now, there, there is some application uh, among the people that we can use uh, uh, today for us. We must properly discern what aspects of culture that we can be that, that can be plundered that can be purified and can be used among us. We must, we must properly discern what aspects of culture have no place among God's people and must be destroyed. When we become Christ followers, we need to, have, we need to do a self-inspection. What are the things that you've allowed to be a part of your life that must now be removed permanently, that must be cut away, that must be purified, okay? Because if it cannot be purified, it's got no place in your life. What are those things? What are those, those things? Yeah, that's right, Tara, everything, right? Everything that she used to be a part of, you know? But the Holy Spirit gives us discernment, right? Of what we should and should not. Now, you know, I, I've told I've told many many a, a freedom group that I've been a part of or that I've led that for me is music, right? Listen, 
I'm a nineties kid, you know, I, I born in the eighties, grew up in the nineties. I'm a nineties hip hop, you know, um, early, early, early 2000 hip hop type guy. Okay. Right. Um, anything later than that is hot garbage to me, but whatever, but I know, right. That there are certain songs, certain artists, right. That, um, if I listen to, I'm gonna get hyped up. Right. I might get aggressive and then, you know, and I, I start, you know, and, and then, you know, I might, my mind starts to, starts to change a little bit, right? Because the lyrics, the, the beats, all that stuff is, is, is not good. So what I have decided to do is completely remove that, Re- complete, put it through the fire, right? Put it through the fire and it's gone. Now there are other there's, other, there's other music that I can listen to from, from that era and I'm totally fine. Cause hey, that was, that was a good song, you know, but I know for me personally, the things that I need to stay away from. And that's what God was telling Israel to do. Put it through the fire. If it can, if it can go through the fire, put it through the fire. Verse 23, everything that can endure fire, you shall put through the fire and it shall be clean. All the, the material spoil had to either be purified by fire or cleansed by water. Only then was it going to be fit to be used by God's people. Things that, that would be destroyed by passing through fire could be purified with the water of, uh, of purification. And this is a pattern for how God uses fire and water to purify his people today. It's the, the fire of pressing difficulty and the water of God's pure word. When, when God uses the, the fire purification, we can say as Job did in Job 23.10, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Fire purifies precious metal by, by, by causing the impurities, the dross, it's called, to rise to the top where the refiner can, can scoop that away. And, and a refiner can tell when gold has been become pure because he can then see his reflection in the pool of gold. When God has put you through the fire, when he has put you through the refinements and he has removed the impurities, he's removed the dross from your life, then he can look at you and see his own reflection because now you are a reflection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is what the fire does. Oftentimes when we're going through difficulties, we don't want to go through it. We want to quit. We want to walk away because it's too hard. It's too hot. I can't can't do this. But if we just hold on just a little bit longer, brothers and sisters, just hold on to what you're going through. Keep going through it. As the Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not yea, though I hang out and I'm chilling in the valley of the shadow of death. No, I go through. Why? Because you are with me. God is with you. He will take you through the fire, right? And then you become pure as gold. And when God wants to wash us clean, he not only uses the water of baptism, but also the ministry of his word. Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word. Then he said, divide the plunder into two parts um, between those who who took part in the war and those within the congregation. And customarily, the spoils only went to those who actually took place in the war. But God here, God, he's commanding that the plunder be divided between the soldiers and the congregation with, 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 and then with a special portion that's given to the Lord. And I'm going to end here because um, I'm already going over, over my time. 
Verse 49, and I thought this was so significant. Your servants have taken account of the men of war who are under our command, and not a man of us is missing. So the officers make this, this amazing report to Moses and to the priest, Eleazar. They took 12,000 men into battle against the Midianites. And not one man was lost. 12,000 men. And this would provide the armies of Israel with, with assurance, with confidence for the, for the coming campaigns going into the land of Canaan. God kept them safe. Not one man was lost. 12,000 men is a lot of men. A lot of men. And for not one to be lost in battle, that is huge. But it shows when God gives a command, when God sends you forth, you have the assurance that he will take you through it. Amen. And it may be hard. It's going to be difficult. Right? The enemy before you may seem like a giant, but God has called you to move forward and he will take you through it. He will keep you safe. Doesn't mean it's, it's, it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean there's going to be days that you want to quit, right? Because we've all been there where we're just like, I can't even do this. Like, God, just take this away. Like, this, this is beyond me. But then once we're done with that, shake off our pity party and we keep walking forward. Keep moving, brothers and sisters. Do not stop. Do not take the time to look to the right and to the left and see the waves crashing around you. Keep looking forward towards Jesus. Keep walking forward towards Jesus. And when you keep doing this, he promises that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Amen. He is already at the end of it. And he's just saying, come to me, son. Come to me, daughter. And I will give you rest at the end of this. And that's what the Israelites were doing. They were being obedient. They were being obedient where their where their 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 fathers and the generation before them was disobedient. They were listening to what God had said. Last thing, I'm already going over, so don't get mad at me. All right, all the gold of the offering that they offered to the Lord. Now, this was a special gift from the officers. Okay, they were only required to give one half shekel per person as an offering to the Lord. But instead, they gave um, almost three times what was required for them. See, the, 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 the soldiers, they saw what God did. They saw that God had provided for them, that he had kept the men safe, right? And they were like, you know what, God? You're only asking for this amount. You deserve so much more. So much more. And when God brings you through situations and you and, and we finally stop looking at the circumstances for what it is, but start looking at it for what it could be and what God wants to bring you through, you have no other option. But you know what, God, everything belongs to you. All my praise, all my worship, all my time, all my talents, all my treasure, everything belongs to you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you, Lord. We just give you praise, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Thank you for your word where we can read one portion of a chapter and be like, how could God command this? But then get to the end of it, like, that's why God commanded it. That's why God is doing it. That's why God is allowing me to go through what I'm going through. Father, we praise you for what you're doing. And we just, we just pray, Lord, that you will give us 
eyes to see what you are really doing. Eyes to see see behind the curtain, Father, to, to what is going to happen at the end, Lord God. But even if you don't give us a glimpse of, of, of what's gonna go, what's gonna happen to us, Lord Jesus, I pray that we just have the assurance that you will go with us through it every step of the way. You will walk us through the fire, Lord God. You will walk us through that valley of the shadow of death, Lord. And we praise you and we thank you and we love you for being the God that you are. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters. Woo. This was a good one. Thank you so much. We love you guys. And I will see you again next week. God bless.